Hey, what to do, Block AC? How we doing? Everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Kind of, is what I'm hearing. Kind of a good Thanksgiving. Hey, do you guys ever have uh, those interests like you never really tell anyone about? Like, not because they're bad or because you're, like, ashamed of them, but because, like, they just never come up. Like, those, like, interests, it's, like, like 10 on your list of, like, top 10 interests. You're not going to talk about it a ton, but if you had, like, one or two more hours in the day, like, you would spend a lot of time doing that thing. Does everyone have something? You guys know what I'm talking about? Kind of. Turn to your neighbor, and if you have an idea, talk to them about it. See what theirs is. See what their hobby is. Go ahead, go ahead and shout some of them out. What, what do you guys got? Anyone, shout someone out, something out. Scrapbooking, okay, scrapbooking. What? Reclining. I don't even know what reclining is. What else we got? Sleep? That's, that should be higher on your list. Make sleep a priority. Building puzzles. Okay, my roommates love puzzles. There's always a puzzle going on in my house. They're big puzzlers. Uh, those are good. I, I, I hope you find some time over the holidays to pay attention to your 10th hobby. Uh, mine is actually kind of random. It's pottery. I actually really like pottery. Uh, you guys maybe not strike me as a pottery guy. Um, but I'm, I'm very, very fascinated by pottery. Like, I've made maybe two or three things out of clay in my whole life. I actually have a mug that I made as a kid. Uh, this is not impressive. I want that to be clear. No, don't clap at this. This is not good. I shouldn't have said don't clap. Guys, there, there's holes in this. It doesn't even retain liquid. Uh, it's proudly displayed at my parents' house. They are very proud of this. My sister's is right next to it. My sister's is 10 times better, um, which is not surprising. Uh, there's a word. This is, like, really uneven. There's a word, uh, frumpy. I don't know what, what that word means, but this is frumpy. I just know that it's not good. Uh, and then I compare this to some of like the amazing clay sculptures or urns or jars that you see online. And it's like, wow, how on earth do they do those things? I actually have a clip, uh, a video of, uh, what is it? It's very satisfying pottery compilation. So you guys can see people making pottery. I mean, this is just very impressive. Like, look at that. How on earth do they do that? That's, like, that's genuinely so impressive to me that they can just mold it with their hands. Maybe this is not that impressive to you guys, but to me, like, this is really, this takes a lot of skill. And I'm like, I don't really know how you do that. But uh, I, th I think it's so fascinating because when I watch a video like that, just think of all, like, this, the skill and creativity it takes for a potter. They take a lump of clay, something that has... No form, it's got no structure to it, and they have this vision for something that they're going to craft it into something beautiful, and it's purposeful. And these potters, they, they demonstrate how great they are at their craft, like by how amazing they make these materials. And they get to make something that has value, and they get to make something that has purpose. And I bring this up because in the same way, we need to understand that God has made us with a value and purpose. 
And that's a very important thing that we need to understand. That just like a, a potter makes a clay jar, God is a creator, and he made you with, again, value and purpose. And it's not necessarily what we get to define for ourselves, because we have this value that's given to us intrinsically by God. And so it's not a purpose that I get to say, this is what my purpose is in life. Or it's not a purpose that I get to say, you know, this is what my parents said, or this is what I decided I wanted to do, or this is what my boss says, or this is what my friends say my value or my purpose is. It is entirely separate from any of those things because it is God who made us and gives us purpose and that gives us value. And so if you've ever asked the question, number one, what's my value? If you've ever asked yourself, am I valuable? Do I, do I have value? Or if you've ever asked yourself the question, what's my purpose? What is my role in life? These are the questions that we're actually going to answer tonight. And I think it's important that we do because in our society, a lot of times our value comes from our actions. And a lot of times we start to look at our achievements and we think that's what gives me value, right? If I could just be a, a Super Bowl champion, that would make me value. That's not an opportunity for most of these people in this room. Um, maybe a couple of you guys could walk on to the Chiefs or something. Uh, but there's so many things that we look at and we think, man, if I could just do this, then I would feel valuable. Or then I would feel like I've achieved something. And that's what makes me great. But God actually wants to flip that on his head. And he says, your value does not come from your actions. But instead, your actions flow out of your value. And so as young adults, we need to understand that what we do comes from who values us. And it comes from the fact that God values us. And to do this, God is actually going to describe us as jars of clay. And that's the idea that we're going to be looking at tonight, is jars of clay. So we're going to be starting in the book of 2 Corinthians uh, today. It's going to be in chapter 4, verses 5 through 9. If you're new to the Bible, uh, we are really glad that you're here. Uh, the verses will be up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, come talk to us afterwards. We'd love to get you one. But the Apostle Paul is writing the letter to this group of people called the Corinthians, and it's a church, and, and they are very, very confused on what it means to be followers of Jesus. They're, 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 they're not great, to, to say the least. They're, they're pretty messed up, and they're living in all kinds of craziness, and Paul is writing to them to remind them, hey, these are the things that you know, and you need to be living out of these things, and this is what God is going to say to you. And he's going to describe believers in Jesus as jars of clay, and that's going to help us answer as people whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, what's my value and what's my purpose? So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, God, I, I pray that tonight, um, God, would you help us to look at our identity as something that you give us? Uh, God, not how we define ourselves, God, or not how the world around us define ourselves, God, but would we see that we have value from you and we have a purpose from you? Uh, God, I pray that you would wipe away all the distractions of the week. God, help us to be focused on your word and to really be attentive to what you want to say to us tonight. And God, I pray that your spirit would be speaking through your words to each and every single one of us. God, that each one of us would take a step closer in our relationship with you and building our life on what counts. And we pray all these things through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, or 4, 5 through 7. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God 
and not from us. So what's, what's Paul saying here? First of all, he's saying we don't preach ourselves. Like we're not trying to make ourselves be great. That's first and foremost. Paul's not trying to be the man. Jesus is the man. Jesus is Lord. So he's saying that first. And then he's saying next, God is the one who shows his glory into the world through Jesus and into our lives. And then as believers, we contain this glory, which he calls a treasure in, in jars of clay. And we are described as jars of clay. And so we're going to look at three truths that that means for our identities as jars of clay. And the first one, clay jars are crafted by a maker. It's the first point. Clay jars are crafted by a maker. Paul, in this passage, he references creation uh, when he says, let light shine out of darkness. He's talking about uh, how in the beginning, uh, God created everything, and he said, let there be light. And, and that's what he's referencing here. He's saying, God made light shine out of darkness. And so if God is the creator of everything, then he made space, and he made the physical and the spiritual worlds, and he made earth, and he made every living creature on it. And that includes each one, every single one of us. And maybe you don't operate under a worldview that, that believes that God is the creator, but I would encourage you to look into that and look into the reality that God did create everything. And we're not going to talk about that tonight, but we're going to walk from away with a, an understanding, or we're going to assume for the rest of the night that God did create everything. And if God is the creator, then what does that mean for us? And so in creation, we're actually a lot more like clay than we'd realize, because in the creation account, God, he forms Adam, who's the first man, out of dirt from the ground. It says in Genesis 2-7, then the Lord God formed a man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So God, he takes some dirt, and he forms it together, and he breathes into it, and that becomes the first man. And then this truth that we are made by God, like a potter makes a clay pot, it's found all throughout the Bible. Uh, it says it later in the Bible, but now, O oh Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. And you can look at this. It's found again and again and again that we are crafted by a maker. And clay jars are crafted by a maker. We watch those videos of people making clay jars with their hands, and you can see how invested they are in it. Like, they have to be very, very attentive to carefully and painstakingly form that thing. If, if, if the pot, you know, if they get a wrinkle in it, it'll fall apart. Or if there's a gap or there's an air bubble, it falls apart. Or if there's not enough water... It'll crack, and it'll dry out, and it'll fall apart. And they have to very, very deliberately do every single thing to make that pot what it needs to be. And in the same way, God is very, very involved in making every single one of us. He's not just throwing something together. He's not just kind of playing around in the dirt. He is, he is, er, he is intricately and, and very purposefully designing each and every single one of us. And he's doing this, he's demonstrating his skill and his greatness as a creator. Let me celebrate for a moment. I, want, I just want to celebrate how great God is. If, if you don't have a very big view of God, my hope is that if nothing else, you would just see how amazing God is from this. Uh, there's a couple words that we use to describe God. First one, God is eternal, which means that God has never had a beginning and he will never have an end. He is outside of time. And if you begin to think about that, think about the fact that God has always existed. That means he's also self-sufficient. That means he doesn't need anything else to survive. We need a lot of things to survive. God does not need a single thing. He has always existed. 
another thing, God is creative. If you look at anything in the world, you look at gravity and atoms, God dreamed those up. He dreamed up the ideas of sound, and he made sound work together in such a way that music could be made. And he created beauty, and he created love, and he created language, and every single one of these things, God dreamed up all of those things out of nothing. And that is amazing to think about how creative he is. If you want to think about how hard it is to be that creative, try thinking of a color that doesn't exist. Not a color that's a combination of current colors, but a color that does not exist. We can't even begin to wrap our minds around how we would do that. But God, that's easy to him. He could do it on a moment's notice. He's that creative. In the same way, he's all-powerful. Uh, the word that's used a lot of times is omnipotent. He has all power. And God holds the universe together at this very moment. The Bible says that God at every single moment is actively holding everything together. He's controlling every single atom, and he can change anything he wants to, just like that. He's that powerful. And he can move mountains, and he shaped the earth, and he's, he's powerful. Another thing, he, he knows everything. He's omniscient. God knows everything that has ever happened throughout all time. Every single thing that you've ever done, every single thing that has ever happened throughout human history, God knows about it. And he can remember it just like that. He knows about it instantly. He knows about every single movement of every single bug and every single fish and every single star through the sky. He knows every single one of those things at all times. That is a mind-blowing amount of information that God just has readily available to him at all times. He's that smart. He's that knowing. He's that just, he's, a, he's genius. That doesn't even begin to describe how intelligent he is. And not even that, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. God, at this very moment, he is present in the far reaches of space, looking at stars that would dwarf our sun, stars that are massive compared to our solar, or our solar system, and he looks at that, and they're small to him. And in the same way, he's also here on earth, and he's looking after every single person. He is around every single person. He's everywhere, all at once. And not only that, but God is loving and he's good. He actually cares about his creation. He's intimately involved in it. He loves people. He genuinely cares about people. He's good. And when we think about that, a God of that magnitude, right, a God of that scope, all of these accomplishments, all of that glory, what would it take to make the pinnacle of his creation? Just like the, a, a potter trying to make his masterpiece, like Michelangelo made the David statue, what do we think would be the pinnacle of God's creation? I think a lot of times we th look at it, and we should be, oh, mountains, right? Mountains are so beautiful, and they're amazing, and they're vast, and they're huge, and they're immovable. Or maybe you really like space, and you're like, no, 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 the nebulas, you look at them, and they're colorful, and they're beautiful, and they're, they're, they're just so far away, and they're so distant, but so big. Or maybe you look at the ocean and you think, no, 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 it's the ocean. And it's so deep and it's mysterious and it's full of life. And we look at these things and we think, man, that surely must be the crowning achievement of all of God's creation. But do you know what's actually the pinnacle of what God chose to display his greatness in? It's humanity. It's people. You and me. That is what God created to demonstrate how great he is, is he created people. Which I think should tell us that we have a lot of value. 
King David was praising God in the Psalms, and he says it like this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Y'all, when it says that God created you fearfully and wonderfully, he's saying that he made you with awe and with respect and careful attention to detail. God went in and he made every single person carefully, fearfully and wonderfully. And like pottery, he chose to make every single person his masterpiece. And can I just say this right now as someone who works with young adults, if God loves us and he made us, then we don't need to believe the lies of our own insecurity. Because I know a lot of times the lies that our minds can try to sell us, right? Or maybe that we see in, in, in media. If you look at yourself and you look at yourself in the mirror and you just think, man, I wish I didn't look like this. Or you think, man, I wish I, I, wish I didn't weigh this much or I wish I wasn't so skinny or I wish I had less curves or I wish I had more curves or I wish I had more muscles. Or maybe it's the intangibles and you wish you were more intelligent or you wish you were more charismatic or funnier and you look at yourself and you think, I just don't think I made that well. Can I just tell you, God made you carefully and he made you with a purpose. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see a mistake. He sees a masterpiece because he created you to be made in his image and you have value in his sight. And so it really doesn't matter what, what we see when we look in the mirror. It doesn't matter what our families say about us. It doesn't matter what our friends say about us. It doesn't matter what a, a member of the opposite sex says about us. God made you, and that gives you value. And you are deeply loved, and you are deeply cared for. And our creator doesn't make mistakes. And so if that's you, and you're here tonight, and maybe you're a follower of Jesus... Or, or maybe you're not, but you just have a really beaten down self-image. Can I just tell you that Jesus wants to show you a different way? Sure, sin is in the world, and it's broken things, and, and our bodies and our personalities, they're not quite exactly what they're supposed to be, and we're going to talk about that. But you are still made in the image of God, who is a master craftsman. And I want you to let that, let that sink in for a moment. God made you in his image, and he loves you. And that gives you value. And a lot of times, we like to look at other things to give us value in the world. We want to find it from something else. And we want to try to make ourselves look great. Or we want to try to make ourselves greater because we want to get value for ourselves. But instead, if we look at how valuable and great God is, then we begin to see how valuable we are if we first turn our attention to God. Because we're made in his image, we're made to reflect his glory. And we're these masterpieces that he's crafted. And, and with that in mind, let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Again, it says, For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And that brings us to point number two. There is a treasure. 
It says that we have this treasure, and we have to ask ourselves, okay, what is that treasure if we have this treasure? Is it, is it us? Like, are we trying to talk about how great we are? No, no, no. Because in verse 5, it said, we're not preaching ourselves. We're not trying to make ourselves look good. We're trying to make God look good. And so we're not trying to celebrate ourselves. We're trying to, to point to Jesus. And that's the treasure. In verse 6, it says that we have the light of getting to know God's glory. That if, if we can't see how great God is, then we're living in darkness. But God gives us the light to the ability to actually see how amazing he is. And we can look at God and we can think, man, this is an amazing creator God. This is a powerful God who's loving. And we begin to see how wonderful he is. And it means the fact that we get to know that God that we talked about. That God that we were talking about that, that knows everything and he can do everything and he's loving and good. We can actually have a relationship with him. We can have a friendship with him. We get to have access to Jesus. And that's the treasure that we're looking after. The issue is, though, is that we don't deserve Jesus. There is a treasure that we don't deserve. And the Bible is very, very clear that despite the fact that we're made in God's image, right, despite the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, each and every single one of us are rebels. And we have all lived in rebellion towards God. And we were created to represent God. That was our, our, our initial purpose, is we were created to represent God and to be image bearers, which means that we were going to demonstrate to each other and to the world everything that God wanted us to demonstrate. So the things of God, things like love and things like justice and things like truth and kindness and joy and peace, God wanted us to go out and demonstrate those things all the time to the world to reflect how great he is. And so any good thing that you can ever think of, God created us to be able to show that those things come from him. But the issue is that we, we've all failed at that. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Which means that that glory that we were supposed to demonstrate, that, that just beauty of God that we were supposed to show, every single one of us have failed in doing that. And we've fallen short. And because of that, we find ourselves in this place where I was made to love God and celebrate God. But, but instead, because I've fallen short of that glory, I want my glory. Because I don't measure up. And instead of celebrating God, I try to celebrate myself. And we want life to be about us. And we don't want it to be about God, but we want what we want. When we want it. And we want our money, or we want our time, or we want our energy, or we want our comfort, or we want our plans in life, or we want our storybook ending. We want every single thing that we want. And we think, man, I want that more than God. I don't, I don't want God to be great. I want to be great. And we were created to love God and love others, but instead, a lot of times, we end up trying to use God or use others to our own benefit. How many of you guys have done something like this where you, you're like me and you pray for something and you're like kind of just treating God like a genie. It's like, man, I really don't want God from this. I don't want God to receive glory. I want this for myself. I don't really care about God. Or maybe you've gone into a social setting. I know I've done this where I'm thinking, what can I get out of this? How is this going to benefit me? How are these people going to add value to my life? Rather than than saying, how can I love other people? How can I be good to other people? 
And on top of that, I mean, I don't think I have to try very hard to convince ourselves. I mean, we lie and we get angry and we're selfish and prideful. And this is every single person. And if that's here and that's you and you look at your life and you're thinking, man, I really have blown it. Think about the thing that you're ashamed of more than anything. That you know that you do is wrong. And you think about that and you're like, man, I... I'm really not fulfilling the purpose that God made me for. And a lot of times we, we, what we've done is we've taken ourselves and through our own rebellion, we took this masterpiece that God made and we shatter it. And we break ourselves. And through sin, all of us are broken. And we can try to take the pieces of our lives. And we can try to put them back together. Right? We can try to pretend like, no, 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 I've got, I've got it together. I know what I'm doing. I'm, surely I can still be good. Right? Like, but it doesn't work. There is nothing that we can do to clean up our own lives. There is nothing that we can do to put ourselves back together. I mean, you look at this pot. This pot is absolutely broken. It has lost its value. It has lost its purpose. It doesn't accomplish anything anymore. And so we can spend our lives trying to convince ourselves that we're okay. And we can try to convince ourselves, no, 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 I'm doing enough good things to put myself back together. I've done enough. I'm good. I can do this by myself. But y'all, nothing can fix that pot. It would take a miracle. And that's where we see the treasure of who Jesus is, is that Jesus came and lived and died and was rose again so that we could be made new. It's not so that we're fixed. Right? That happens. But it, it says that the old is gone, the new has come. We are made into a new creation so that what was broken is now made new. And that's us now. And Jesus came so that we could be that new creation. And suddenly you begin to see that you are a miracle if you are a follower of Jesus. And you could begin to see how powerful Jesus is. That Jesus is more powerful than sin and death. And that thing that you think of when you're like, man, this is what I'm so ashamed of. Jesus is more powerful than that. And Jesus can wipe that away. And Jesus can make you new. And Jesus can give new life. And we begin to see that knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him, it changes everything. Because it's not just like I'm, I'm getting my life together. It's I'm made new. I have a new life in Christ. And that's the treasure that we get to experience. That's how amazing it is to know God, that we would still get to know God despite everything that I have ever done. Despite everything that I have ever done against God. God still wants you. And he loves you and he cares for you. So much that he died for you to make you new. And that is the treasure that we get to hold as followers of Jesus. And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, or you're here and you're not sure if that's you, if you're asking, how do I know that this is my treasure? How do I know that I actually treasure this? It's because your life will have changed. If you are a follower of Jesus and you've gotten to experience how great God is, your life will have changed. You want to know God. 
You want to experience him more. And you view Jesus and his word and his people and his mission as valuable. And you view it as a treasure. And it's worth selling everything else just so you can get more of God. And it's not like we do that perfectly, right? It's not like all the time we want God. But it's there in our lives that I just think, man, I have a new priority. And I just want Jesus, and I want him to be made great. And y'all, the, the ability to know God and have a relationship with him, that is far beyond my ability to put into words how great that is. You just have to taste and see. That really is all you can do to see how good God is. And the crazy thing is that we, just, we don't deserve that, right? We, we don't deserve to have this treasure in a jar of clay. If you think about it, you don't put treasure in a jar of clay. Right? I've got my phone in here. I've got my passport. I've got my keys to my car. I've got my wallet. This would be a bad place to keep these things. If I just set this outside and thought, yeah, that's a great place to keep my valuables. Right? Like you don't keep treasure in a clay jar. This is not where gold goes. This is not where things of value go. They don't go in clay jars. And that brings us to our final point. Clay jars are weak. I mean, <laughs> you saw it. The thing shattered. It wasn't hard. Paul says in, in, in verse 7, going back to 2 Corinthians, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. He continues on to say, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, which means we're confused, we're, we're, we're unsure, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And we look at this and we think, man, life is actually really hard. And as a clay jar, I feel really weak. And like we said, it's not a good place to keep treasure. You can't lock them, you can't secure them. It doesn't really make sense to put anything in there that's a value. On top of that, it doesn't even earn any interest. Like, it's not benefiting you in, in any way. And so when God says he puts treasure in a clay jar, that should sound to us like, what? Why? To illustrate this, there's a story. Uh, in 2013, there was a guy in Connecticut. His name was Noah, and he bought a desk on Craig's, at Craigslist. Uh, it wasn't like a, a nice mahogany desk. It was like one of the ones that you put together at Ikea yourself. And, and he bought it and as he picked it, he bought it for $150. $150. And so he got it and he was taking it to his office and, and it didn't fit. So he had to take it apart so that he could get it through the door to his office. And as he was there trying to figure it out and, and take it apart, he found a bag of money in this desk. And he's shocked because he's like, wow, this is kind of crazy. He opens the bag and counts the money. There was $98,000 in that bag. $98,000 were in a bag in the back of this desk. And he and his wife were just floored. They're like, what on earth? Thankfully, they do the right thing, and they call the woman who sold it to them. And she said, huh, that's my inheritance. I forgot about it. And she kept all that treasure in the back of a desk and forgot about it. And we look at that and we're like, that's crazy, right? You don't do that. That's not smart. I may not know much about finances, but I know that's not where you keep your inheritance, right? 
And that's the same kind of attitude that we should have when we look at the fact that God has put his treasure in us. That we should look at that and be like, what? Why? Why on earth would the God of the universe choose to make the treasure of how valuable he is, why would he put that in us? Because I, I'm not a good place to store treasure, right? I'm weak. I'm not very secure. I don't really have much ability to protect that treasure of myself. And we look at this fact that there's this transformative power that bought us back from death and has changed our life. If you are a follower of Jesus, and then you look at your life and you're like, man, I'm kind of out of my league. Like, I don't even really know what I'm doing most of the time. And we have this treasure that transforms our lives, but so often, I don't know about you guys, but there are just monthly or weekly, probably even daily situations that I find myself in where I'm just out of my depth. And I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how to serve God right now. I don't really know the right thing to do in this moment. And I can't solve my problems. Maybe there's a problem in your life and you're just like, I don't really know what to do about it. I, I have no ability to solve the problems in my life. And God puts us in these situations and we just kind of don't know what to do. It's like, man, God, why, why would you put me here? Why would you do this? And maybe you've been there or, or maybe you're there now and you remember the times in your life where you were just at absolute rock bottom. You look back and you just think, man, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And you remember feeling the despair and you remember feeling confused and, and you're just like, I, you're just at a loss. And, and maybe you're there now but you just remember feeling confused and feeling weak. And maybe times have changed and you're better now, but you look back on those times and you just think, why God? God, why on earth would you let me go through that? Maybe you're a follower of Christ and you're like, God, I know you love me, but it doesn't really feel like it because of what I have to go through. And you think, God, why did you not make me more talented? at work. I could have done better if I would have been better. God, why am I not more organized? Why am I not more charismatic? Maybe it's a situation that's outside of you. You're like, God, why, why did I lose my job? Why did I lose my job outside of my own ability? God, why would you let my family member have cancer? God, why would you let me have a mental illness that I don't really know how to get out of? And maybe it's still going on today and you don't have a job or mental health is a struggle for you and you're just like, man, I just feel out of my depth. And the Apostle Paul was there too. Later on in the same letter to the Corinthians, he's sharing about how he has this really tough life circumstance. He describes it as a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't really know what it was. Some people think that he was going blind. Uh, some people think that it was anxiety or depression. Some people think that it was just loneliness. He felt alone. Some people think his body was just literally shutting down from old age. We don't really know what it was. But we do know that it's really, really painful. <laughs> it's so painful, he calls it a thorn in his flesh. You can imagine a, a big thorn from a tree 
and it's just sticking in his side. And every time he moves, he's aware of it. And every time he does anything, he's aware of the pain that's going on. And he's powerless to take it away. He can't do anything about it. And in his mind, it's severely limiting his ability to display God's glory. He's like, I want to do that, but I still feel weak. I don't feel like I can do this. He's like, I want to advance the gospel, but I don't really feel like I'm good enough. I don't really feel like I can because of this thorn. And so he begs God to take it away. He begs God to take this thorn away. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, three times I pleaded with God to take it away from me. It wasn't just once. He's like, God, I don't want this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul has this really painful thing, and God doesn't take it away. And that's really difficult, because we look at it, and we talk about the fact that God is a loving God. And we talk about the fact that God is good, and it's like, well, then why am I weak? Why am I continually in situations that are outside of my control? Or why is life not going better for me, God, if you love me? And God is telling him, you don't need those things. I am enough for you. He says, you don't have to be enough. You can be weak because that's when my power is shown. And that is why God chooses to keep his treasure in, in clay pots. Because while we are weak, he is strong. One time I was going through a really difficult time. This was a couple years ago at work. And I was just, I was feeling really beaten down. I don't know if you guys have been there. My health was not great. I was pretty sick. And finances were really tight. And I, I was talking to my mom on the phone. And I was just like, Mom, I just, I, I, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm, I'm at the end of my rope. And I just, I don't know what God's doing. I don't know how he's going to show up. And she was reminding me of God's truth. And she asked me, she said, Nick, when do you watch a fireworks show? During the day? Of course, my mom's doing the cheesy analogy thing. And I'm like, no, mom. You watch fireworks at night. I... But then she said something that was so wise. She said, exactly, because they are so much more glorious at night when you can see what's being done. And so often, God likes to bring us into the night metaphorically. He brings us into situations or he allows things to be a part of our life that we don't want. And it makes life so much harder. But we look at that and we think God's glory is so much brighter the darker that it gets. And that's what Paul says when he says we have this treasure in jars of clay because it shows that the all-surpassing power is not from us. It's from God. God is the one who's powerful. And we're weak and we can get shattered really easily if we were left to ourselves. But the amazing thing is that if we're followers of Jesus, if you have Jesus, those life circumstances don't shatter you because God takes care of you. And those life circumstances, they're not going to destroy you because you have God. And so the question then for us is how do we respond? Because I can either look at that and think, man, I, I don't like that. I don't like being dependent on God. I want to do my own thing. And we can try to make ourselves stronger. And we can try to get our lives together by ourselves and think, no, 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 I'm going to live for my purpose. 
I'm going to define my own value. I'm going to do all these things by myself. And we can reject the fact that God loves us and wants to work in our lives, and we can get bitter towards God, saying, God, why am I not different? And we get bitter, and we push God away. Or we can accept what God's going to do in our lives. And if you look at how Paul responds to not taking away his thorn, it's pretty crazy. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, Therefore I will boast, I will celebrate all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I celebrate in insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul is saying, I celebrate the times where I don't know what's going on. I celebrate the times that my life is falling apart. I celebrate the times that life is so difficult. Why? Because I get to experience God's power in those moments. And so we have two options. We can try to cover up our own cracks. We can try to cover up our own weaknesses and act like we have it all together, which never really solves the issue. Or we can celebrate our weaknesses as opportunities to depend on God. And we can get desperate for God to show up. And if we depend on God to show up, he will. He will always show up in our weakness, in our inability to act. I, I know of one couple, they were in a really tight spot financially. They really wanted to live for God's kingdom. They really wanted to bring glory to God. And they were praying for a, a family car for their family. And the girl, her, her mental health just, it took a bad turn. And she was going through a really, really bad bout of anxiety. And it was debilitating. And they were in a really tough spot financially. And then she drives the car and she totals her car. It's her fault. And they're just at the end of their rope because they're just devastated. But they're seeking God's glory. And so they pray. They say, God, we want to rejoice in our hardship. And we want to demonstrate how powerful you are to the world. And they choose to trust God and depend on God. And a day or two goes by, and the girl's mental health, it just suddenly gets better. Just out of the blue. She wakes up, and she feels so much better. And then they're trying to figure out the car thing, and they're talking to a friend about what new car to get. And the, they don't even tell the friend about the accident. They don't even bring it up. And the friend looks at them and says, are, are you all looking? Because the craziest thing happened. My wife and I were praying. And we got the sense that God wants us to buy you a new car. And they didn't even know that they needed the car. But their friends bought them a new car because God instructed them to. And they were just floored at how generous God was. And how generous God made his followers to be. And how he took care of them. And God showed up because they chose to depend on him. And they wanted God's glory to be made known. And we can tell that story and look at that and think, man, God is good. And God shows up. And he doesn't always show up in the way that we want him to. He doesn't always show up like that. The story doesn't always end in that positive note from what we see. Uh, I have two other friends, a guy and a girl. The, the guy has been diagnosed with MS since he was 19. There's a chance that he could lose his ability to walk. And he's in constant pain pretty much every day. And the girl has a chronic GI illness. She has to have multiple surgeries. 
multiple doctor's visits. They, they spend a lot of time in and out of the hospital. And they've struggled with this for years. Years and years and years. And yet they are so cheerful. And I was asking them, I said, guys, I think I know why, but why do you have such good attitudes about this chronic pain that you're living in? And they said, because we get to show, see God show up every day. That we get to depend on God to be strong. And he has shown up in so many answered prayers that we don't even have time to share them all with you, Nick. And they said, because we're weak, anything that happens through our lives, it instantly gives glory to God. And anything that we see happen, we know it's because of who God is and how good he is. And they get to taste and see God is good because they're weak. And that's what it means to celebrate our weaknesses. Maybe if you're a follower of Jesus, you're trying to figure out how to share the gospel and you've experienced this like me where you're, you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to do that. I want to make disciples, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I can think of one time I was trying to share the gospel with this guy and I was just stumbling my way through it. I was like, I don't even sound like I know what I'm talking about. And I was really distracted and I was really hungry and the craziest thing, that person made a decision to follow Christ. And I was like, did you even know what we were talking about? And he articulated to me the story of what Jesus had done and how Jesus died for him and, and could give him new life through faith in him. And it, y'all, it's not our own ability. It's all about God. It's not how great we are. It's not how persuasive we are. That's not how we accomplish God's purposes for us. It's the treasure that we have that shines through. We depend on God. And we're weak, and that is a good thing. There's a, a favorite quote of mine. It's written on a, a card on my desk. It says this, if dependence is the goal, then weakness is the advantage. If dependence is the goal, then weakness is the advantage. Y'all, we, we have to redefine how we see success in the world. Because so often the world is going to tell you, you find your success through your strengths. You find your success through how great you are. You find your success through what you can achieve. But if we want to find true success, if we want to find true power, we celebrate our weaknesses. And we find that through relying on God and depending on God and saying, God, it's not about me. I want you to show up in the things that I'm not good at. And so maybe you sit there and you're like, man, life would be so much better if I was in a relationship. And I feel weak. I feel, I feel out of my control to make this happen. And instead you look at that and you think, no, 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 this is a chance for me to be satisfied in God. And think, I don't need someone else to make me happy. It might be nice, but I don't need anything. I have God. I have everything. Or at your work, when you're feeling like you don't know what to do, and you're feeling like I don't, you're working hard, but you don't feel like you can get the project done, you just pray and you ask God. You say, God, I don't want to be the one to celebrate this win. I want you to show up. And you trust him. And he shows up. Or when the difficult circumstance comes, you say, God, I just want to see your glory. That's all I want. And so this asks, 
makes us ask the question, what do we do as jars of clay? What are the actions that flow out of this value that we have? First and foremost, ask yourself the question, do you have that treasure? Because if you don't, if you haven't made the decision to, so, to follow Christ, as much as you can try, you're still broken. And we don't say that from a place of anyone is better because, again, we're not the ones who clean up our own lives. It's God who makes us new. But if that's you and you have not made the decision to follow Jesus, that offer is on the table. And it's free. And you just tell God, you look at him and you say, God, I'm broken and I'm fed up with it. I'm fed up with my sin. And I want a new life. And I want to follow you. And you tell him that and he makes you new. And he changes your life. And if you haven't made that decision, I would encourage you, really, really, really consider that. Because that is the most important decision that you will ever make. And then if you are a follower of Jesus or you do that and you're like, what's going to happen next? Here's three things. Three things that jars of clay do. First and foremost, let God start to inform your self-image. Your identity. The reason why we've been going through this identity series is so that you can know that if you are a follower of Jesus, this is who you are. And this is what God says. And you start to allow God to inform your self-image. And the way that you see your body or the way that you see your character or your personality, your actions, you begin to see what does God say that I am? Who does God say that I am? Not how do I see myself? Not what do people tell me? And you can start in the book of John and you let God's word inform your life. And you just read through it and you ask yourself the questions, who is God and who does God say that I am? And you read through it and then you accept that it's true. And you fight and you fight to get that in your life more. Second, you, you celebrate weakness and you depend on God. Every single morning you wake up and you say, God, I need you to show up today. Whether it's a day that you feel like you're going to do well at or a day that you feel like everything's falling apart, you say, God, I need you in both circumstances. And you just tell him that and you pray. And a simple prayer. And you say, God, please, I need you. I want to see you show up. I want to see your glory. And, and then you share that weakness. You celebrate that weakness in community. And you, you get in a group of guys or you get in a group of girls and you celebrate your weaknesses. And you say, guys, this is an area of sin that I need to grow in. But I want God's power to be seen. And so I'm going to confess this. I'm going to bring it into the light. And you work and you let God change that. Or maybe it's just an area of weakness where you're like, I don't know what's happening. And God uses that community to help guide you. And you learn, man, this is what I need to do. And God uses his people. And third, finally, you share your story. You just share the story of how you were broken by sin and how God made you new. And you just begin to articulate to other people the truth of the gospel. And it doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible. It does not matter how mature you are. It does not matter how conversational you are, how much of a good speaker you are. You trust that God will be enough in those situations. And so even if you feel like you stumbled your way through, even if you feel like it was really awkward and you didn't know what you were doing, but you just wanted to tell someone about Jesus, you trust that God is enough and that God will show up. Because that's our purpose. It's to make God great. It's to reflect his greatness, and we do that by sharing the gospel with people. And you take opportunities with your friends or your coworkers or your family, and you just take shots. And if you want to grow around those things, I would encourage you, keep sticking around the block. We, we really 
our heart is to help you treasure Christ more. Our heart is to help you live and experience God's power. When we say that we want to help you build your life on what counts, that means we want to help people build their life on Christ. And so we're almost closed for winter break like we talked about. And we'll be back in in January or February of next year. Uh, But if you need a place to go in the meantime, if you're curious about, like, how does the block even function? How do we know that, or what, who puts this on? Uh, There are two churches that very much care about young adults a lot. A Journey Bible Church on 151st and Flum and Lenexa Baptist, this church, they really, really care about young adults. And they invest a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of care. And they would love to have you over the Christmas season if you don't have a church home. And so if you have a church home, that's awesome. Go there. But if you don't, come check out one of these two churches. Because they would love to help care for you over the holidays as we're not meeting. And again, I, just, I ask you in close, have you experienced that treasure? Have you gotten to experience the treasure of the greatness of God? Because it is far greater than anything you'll ever find. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I, God, I pray that we would begin to see how amazing you are. God, the, the things that a lot of times can be so distracting, God, that get in the way of our view of you. God, I pray that you would just help us to let those things melt into the background and see you for how great you are, God. And I pray that that would inform us of our value, God, that we wouldn't look to build ourselves up or wouldn't look to make ourselves great or celebrate ourselves, God. God, but that we would look to you and how great you are and how creative you are and loving you are and good you are. And that's why we would know that we have value because we're loved by you. And God, we know we don't need to love ourselves. And God, I pray that if there's anyone in here who's struggling with their value or they're struggling with their purpose, God, I pray that you would make it clear that that their value comes from you and the fact that you love them and you died for them and they can have new life. And their purpose is then to go out and display your glory by proclaiming the gospel as something that's weak, as a jar of clay, but that holds a a treasure that has all all surpassing power. And so, God, I pray that as we're singing, as we're reflecting, God, that we would demonstrate to you, God, just the fact that we want to be used by you. And, God, if there's someone in here who hasn't made the decision to follow you, God, would you be working on their hearts right now? And, God, if, if there's a believer in here who needs to do business, God, and they feel like their life is falling apart, God, I pray that they would depend on you and not on themselves. And that we would trust and have faith that you are going to show up. And we pray all these things through your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to invite you guys to stand with us as we praise God for being strong in our weakness. We praise him and we ask him to continue to be strong in our hearts and in our lives. That's who we're singing to. Would you, would you join us? Control what tomorrow.